0: Back control looking. Deep pad downfield touchdown, Miami. What a throw, Devontae Parker.
1: Holy smokes, what a drive.
2: What is up, Dolph fans, and welcome to the Drive Time Podcast, part of the Miami Dolphins' official podcast network covering your team, your Miami Dolphins, each and every day. How's it going, everybody? It is Wednesday. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and I'm here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, we're going to preview Dolphins and Bengals for Sunday at Hard Rock Stadium. We'll detail the performances so far of Devontae Parker and Xavier Howard and how they are just two of the many examples for growth and development on this roster. We'll hear from Coach and Tua, All of that and more on this Wednesday, December the 2nd edition of the Drive Time Podcast. That's another Miami Dolphins. Drive Time is brought to you by AutoNation. Hey Dolphins fans, the new year starts now at AutoNation. Let's skip the rest of 2020 and get to big New Year savings on your favorite AutoNation Chevys, Fords, Toyotas, Hondas, and more. Shop safely at the AutoNation store near you or AutoNation.com and save now. Let's go ahead and start this Wednesday podcast off with your first Dolphins and Bengals injury report of the week. Plenty of intrigue around this one with the quarterback Tua Tunga-Vailoa, Solomon Kinley, Savon Ahmed. Let's go ahead and detail their statuses right now from Wednesday's practice. Two players did not practice on Wednesday. Running back slash receiver Malcolm Perry with a chest. DeAndre Washington, the running back, has a hamstring. He also did not practice. Three players were limited. Quarterback Tua tunga running back Savon Ahmed, and guard Solomon Kinley. For the rest of the report and the players who were full participation on Wednesday as well as the Bengals injury report, go ahead and check out our article on top news on MiamiDolphins.com. So we have a couple more days of practice to talk about here on the podcast. And then we have what's coming up on Sunday. We'll preview the game here in just one second. But I want to cover a couple of topics I've written about this week up on MiamiDolphins.com in the top news story uh, every day at the end of the day on the website. And first up, this piece on Devontae Parker and Xavier Howard. And it takes me back to my favorite time of the year, training camp, To me, there is no better football to watch than what you get at training camp. You get repeated defensive backs versus receivers one-on-one matchups. The pass rush one-on-ones are unbeatable, remains my favorite drill in the entire game. You get a peek at which guys are making a name for themselves on special teams, which of the undrafted guys are making plays, who's on what team, who's making plays in what package. You get a feel for how the quarterbacks spin the football, how it jumps off their hand, and then, of course, the team period Few things top that in all of sports. It's just constant evaluation for a football nerd like myself. I cannot get enough of it. And so Devontae Parker and Xavier Howard had some of the most memorable battles this past training camp here in Davie. Of course, no fans allowed, just media. We got to see plenty of it. And when there was fans there, they were treated to a great show by Xavier Howard back in 2019. His camp was some of the best football I think I've ever seen, period, that year. I swear he caught as many passes and interceptions as he allowed receptions from the opposing receiver in that year's camp. But Parker got some, too, and that continued this season. And frankly, you could put Byron Jones and Preston Williams in there because these guys were involved in several of those great battles as well. But for the sake of this article, I wanted to ask Devontae and X about those matchups and how that stiff competition on the practice field helps make them better on game day. First, here's X.
0: Oh, that'd be great, man. You're, uh, you know, me and Devontae has been going at it since uh, since I came in the league. You know, we just checked that competition going, and we just, we um, making each other get better, and, you know, I feel like we've been doing a great job to getting each other better, and, you know. It, it pays off on Sundays when we work with other guys.
2: Talking about paying off on Sundays, let's go ahead and hear from Devontae Parker now on what the matchup between Xavier and Howard has done for him to make game day easier because it's so tough in practice going up against a cornerback like Xavier and Howard every day.
0: You know, we used to go at it like every day in practice and like during camp. That made us better. It just made us play hard in the games because he made it. He made it hard in practice, so you know, the games made it a lot easier.
2: Let's go ahead and start here first with Xavier Howard. We'll come back to the Devontae Parker topic. But first off, you heard me raving about the type of tape that he had on Sunday's game on the Tuesday Drive Time podcast. Just an unreal film. An opportunity for four, maybe five interceptions. Had one poked away. Had another impeded by an offensive pass interference. Sam Darnold did a good job to locate it high to avoid another possible interception. And he obviously did get the one at the end of the game. As he continues to do, and I talked about this back when he had that run of four straight games with an interception, how they come in bunches, man. He had one in four straight games this season. Now he's got one in three consecutive games after not having one. For three games. And he's right there again. He had two against the Broncos to kick off his career in 2017. The first two of his career that year in one game. Comes back with two in the next game against the Patriots. Then he had three in two games at the beginning of 2018. Before snagging four in two games at the end of 2018. Against the Colts and the Bills. This guy gets them in bunches. And his ball hawking skills are among the best of all time. In context of statistical frequency. The only player close to his interception every 9.1 pass targets since 2017 is New England's JC Jackson who has one every 11.1. So two full targets more per interception for JC Jackson over number 1 Xavier Howard. Nobody else is less than every 14 targets. And you go back to Richard Sherman who went to three straight all-pros or he was named an all-pro three straight years between 2012 and 2014. He grabbed 20 interceptions in those three seasons and did it with a pick every 10.4 targets. So 1.3 targets more than what Xavier Howard is currently doing. The 50.3 passer rating against is the second best among corners with at least 40 pass targets. And he is pro football Focus's second highest graded cornerback. These are numbers that are on pace and extrapolated better than what Stephon Gilmore's numbers were last season as a defensive player of the year in the NFL. So, Xavier Howard on that same track. He is just flat out playing out of his mind right now. It's been fun to watch for Dolphins fans everywhere. I'm sure you guys are enjoying it as much as I am. And then we get to Devontae Parker. And first, Coach talked about some separation. The topic of separation in his Wednesday morning press conference... So here's Coach talking about wide receivers creating separation and the context and the case-by-case scenario with every player, every pass, and every instance in this league.
1: Receiver separation, I know they got the next-gen stats, and it's, you know, he had half a millimeter of separation or something like, you know, they they got all that, those statistics. But, you know, I think a lot of times, uh, you know, a guy like Devontae, who's a big body, he's long. Uh, there might be a guy right on him, but if you throw it inside, the guy's on his back, and you throw it inside, and you know his arm length is the separation. So, you know, while it might be, you know, a millimeter or a centimeter based on the next gen stats, it's you know you can you can get that ball in there. So, again, it's case by case. You know, as a as a defender, you want to be you want to have tight coverage. Um, as a quarterback, I think you just need to know. Um, you know the the, the frames or the, the the builds of your receivers. You know, if you got a smaller guy, then um, you know that that separation or or the, the coverage being tighter, um, you might have to fit that win that that into a tighter window. Um, you know, versus just getting the ball out in front of a, a, a taller, longer receiver. So, um, again, it's to me every it's all case by case. I mean, I think you, you look at a lot of statistics and you say. They talk about the separation or uh, you know flight of the ball in the air. You know they got all this, these these statistics. You know. The practical application of some of those things are are uh, they're different when you're on the field. Uh, I would say so. But yes, you know as much as you can separate from a defender, it, it always helps. But I think when you start getting into the you know what is enough separation, guess when you start. You know it's you know, subjective in a lot
2: of ways. Yeah, I just, I can't top that answer. I mean, not that I ever could top an answer with Coach Flores and football talk, but you talk about the the subjective nature of statistics and how you always need context to them. I just, I I can't agree enough with that. So let's continue on here talking about Devontae Parker, who is catching 65.8% of his passes this season. That's a career high with an average of 1.7 yards per separation, again, per next-gen stats. And of course, Coach talking about not being the biggest fan of that, but I think it, it has... It tells you a bit of the story here. Only Corey Davis in Tennessee has a higher catch percentage among players with less than 2.5 yards of average separation. That's just who Devonte is. He catches contested footballs and does it with regularity. He did it all the way to 1,200 yards last year and nine touchdowns down the field, elevating, making all those big plays. But he's not just that. He's not just a contested ball guy. He's catching passes on a variety of routes. I've talked about this before, his ability on square ends, digs and slants, all those in-breaking routes I thought were his best in his in his tool bag because of how he can stack the defensive back on his back. And then Flores' comment really comes into play there, the arm length and the strong hands to separate that way because the player can't get through his frame and get around those arms and disrupt the pass enough. I mean, we've seen this guy catch a pass For a touchdown against the Rams for instance when he was being tackled so one of the best contested ball receivers in the league who can create that separation through his frame through his body he caught four in breaking routes on Sunday three on the back shoulder throw and one on a comeback route working back down the stem And we've seen that vertical game prowess we talked about where he uses that frame to kind of shield the defender while he elevates to make the catch. And those long arms, again, you look at a lot of those jump balls or whatever you want to call them, 50-50 balls last year. A lot of the time he's putting his back into the defender and fading into him with his arms extended and makes the catch away from his body in a way where the defender cannot poke it out. And actually, on Tuesday's press conferences, George Godsey talked about Mike Gasicki's touchdown catch, the rebound pulling the ball off the defensive back's head, how you don't want to tuck it into your body because that's where the DB goes to try to get the PBU once you've already snatched the ball. Get it away from him, pull the ball away from him. Gasicki did it there, and I think Devontae Parker does that consistently on those deep shots. And for Parker, six of his 10 career 100-yard games have occurred in his last 18 outings. The breakout season a year ago earned Devontae the contract extension for four more years. So we've got this guy for the foreseeable future making these plays, being this reliable, dependable guy. And that's a prelude into our next topic here, the ability to develop players of all ages because Parker's in his sixth season. And you know, last year was when he really, production-wise, got the most out of him so far. And he's kind of continued that this season, just being a consistent playmaker. But it's not just Devonte. It's not just a sixth-year guy. It's guys all over the roster, from all types of different acquisition arrivals in Miami, all different ages and stages of their careers. Anytime you can rhyme on the podcast, you have to do it. And this was kind of sparked by a passage I read from Albert Breer on his Monday morning quarterback piece, where he, in just one paragraph, gave a nod to the Dolphins for being 7-4, and four, just 21 months after Stephen Ross's declaration of his decision to make changes and rebuild the team under Chris Greer and Brian Flores. And you look at all these draft picks and free agent signings, and those are great and certainly have had a large impact, no doubt about that, but it's more than that. It's systemic. It's teaching. It's developing. It's finding roles for guys to make them the best versions of themselves on your football team within your scheme. And there are tons of examples of all of that. Let's go ahead and start first with the veterans. And I don't want this to be misconstrued because both Bobby McCain and Eric Rowe were good players previously, before Brian Flores got here, before Eric Rowe got here. But just consider what they had to do to make themselves into the player they are right now as the Dolphins' two primary safeties on the field. McCain... A slot cornerback who in 2017 and 2018 played inside, played outside, played a little bit of safety as well, played all over the defense, was a good player for the Dolphins. But now the Dolphins are one of the best deep defending passing teams in the NFL. And a lot of that is because Bobby McCain's back there just consistently being in the right spot and communicating with the veteran cornerbacks underneath. Eric Rowe is top 10 in so many categories, shutting down tight ends, making sure-handed tackles, sticking his nose in there in the running game. And McCain's the same way as well. we talked about McCain's open field tackling. These two guys to change positions and just, what is it, like 25 games into this thing? They're both playing at high, high levels at that spot. Development, teaching, getting the most out of your players, no matter how old they are. Emmanuel Ogbaugh, free agent, comes over from the Chiefs. And he was a good player. Good player for Kansas City. Good player for Cleveland. Had a really good rookie season in 2016. But now, what about now? He is a one of the top 10 sackers, one of the top 10 pressure rate defensive ends in the National Football League. He condenses inside and defends the run. He bats down passes. Guy's playing at a Pro Bowl level right now. And... That's not what he was the previous years. He was good. He's gone to another level here in Miami. His first year in Miami. How about Eric Flowers? Now, to an extent, last year he moved inside to guard. He's talked about his relationship with Bill Callahan in Washington and how they kind of built him into that guard. But he's doing it here and, again, taking it to another level, playing at a high level at that guard position. Again, six years into his career. How about a guy like Adam Shaheen matching his career high in touchdown receptions, yards per catch, and he's coming up on the yardage totals, catches, and games played as well in his career highs. It's not just high-priced free agents. It's these, you know, you trade a conditional pick for Shaheen and you turn him into a productive tight end on your roster. Speaking of tight ends, Mike Kosicki, He's just in his third year, but there was a clear line of demarcation for this guy when it kind of clicked for him in a sense. Since week 13 of last season, he's caught all eight of his career touchdowns post week 13. So basically his career has been split in half so far, and the first half was development. The second half has been production. That's the fourth most touchdowns among tight ends over that span. He talked about his growth on Sunday after the game as a route runner, as did George Godsey on Tuesday earlier this week on the podcast. I played both those for you guys, so regular listeners have heard that already. But if you haven't, go back and check out those podcasts, the audio from Mike Kosicki and George Godsey, from 22 catches as a rookie to one of the most explosive, who leads the league in yards per reception among tight ends, one of the most explosive tight ends, most frequent touchdown scores at the position. But what about guys who are even earlier in their careers than those veterans or a Mike Gesicki. Like a Zach Sealer, who has 19 quarterback pressures, 22 run stops. He's disruptive every single week. Went from a waiver wire claim to a contract extension in 12 months' time. Andrew Van Ginkle, three forced fumbles. Had the 78-yard touchdown fumble return for a touchdown. Blocked a punt, disrupts the quarterback to the tune of two and a half sacks, six QB hits this year. He's defending the run. We talked about that play against the Jets where he knifed in and tripped up Frank Gore for a big stop in the running game. Nick Needham gets his first pick of the year, third of his career, 117.2 passer rating as a rookie, 82.5 this year in his second year. That group of free players is a fifth round draft pick, an undrafted free agent, and a guy who was cut just a year ago, now each of them a key contributor on the Dolphins defense. Then there are the young guys. Brandon Jones gets his first sack of the career. He's playing increasing snaps and making impact plays every single week, it seems. Rayquan Davis, same deal. More snaps, more run stops, more disruption. He's getting knocked back consistently. He's been a bull in recent weeks. Solomon Kinley having a damn good year at right guard before missing last week with the foot injury. He's been playing some good football. Austin Jackson had some impressive games this year as well. Robert Hunt has too. Now, Coach Steve Marshall talked about the ups and downs of the offensive line, but there have been plenty of ups for those guys as well. Tua Tungavailoa showing you a lot of the same things you love about his game in college, with the timing, accuracy, anticipation, the twitch, the off-script playmaking, that 93-yard drive in Arizona, we saw all of those things add up. We saw on the touchdown pass in the Rams game. We saw it on the touchdown pass in the Broncos game. He's made several plays that you say, okay, that's where the ability is. But that group of players, those rookies, they remain incomplete. Hell, a lot of these guys do. All of them do. As Josh Boyer said, if you're not getting better, you're getting worse. So it's the entire roster. I think... The development of Needham, Van Ginkel, Seeler, Ogba, Rowe, McCain, Flowers, Gasicki, and on and on and on. That all applies to our draft class this year. It applies to future draft class with double-digit picks coming down the pike here in the next season, and, and future draft classes beyond that. The development is the core essential factor of this team that continues to grow my confidence about what the Dolphins are building here in Miami. Let's go ahead and finish up Coach Flores' Wednesday morning media availability. Just a couple more questions here for Coach he was asked about his input with different elements of the game and the, I suppose, delegation of responsibilities among the coaching staff and where his input comes. Here's Coach Flores on just that.
1: Yeah, uh, I, think, I think, you know, on a, on a week-to-week basis, it's, it's different. Uh, again, we do a lot of work over the course of the week, you know, so I'm involved you know, on the offense, I'm involved defensively, I'm involved in the kicking game situations, game management, so there's a lot of things that are already talked about, um, and I think, you know, no different than anyone else on the offensive staff or the defensive staff or in the kicking game or from a game management standpoint. Um, you know, I offer suggestions. Uh, no different than, you know, Eric Studisville offers suggestions and uh, Anthony Campanelli offers suggestions and say, hey, maybe we should do this or this, you know, depending on the game. It's case by case. Um, I wouldn't say – I mean, I would say I let my coaches coach. And I'm not sitting there going, hey – you know, call this, call that, um, because at the end of the day, you know, because I'm working all three sides of the ball and um, game management, you know, Chan spent more time on offense. He's seen more of it. Josh has spent more time on defense. He's seen more of it. Danny spent more time on the kicking game. So, you know, for me to sit there and say, Hey, I'm, I, I know better on any of those. Um, I think it's you know, been really, you know, I'm spending, you know, we all have the amount of same amount of hours. You know, there's, let's say they spend you know those hours all on one one side of the ball. I just you know I trust that they're gonna that they have the uh, um, the answers we're looking for on their respective side of the ball. Now I'll, I'll make suggestions, but at the end of the day, you know, I try to let I'll try to let those guys uh, coach. And then obviously, occasionally, you know, um, you know, I'll make my thoughts known. And you know, but I think it's it's worked out for the most part.
2: Coach did address the possible Wednesday practice availability of quarterback Tua Vailoa, but we already updated that in the first part of the podcast because Coach goes on before practice. We did that after practice, but he also talked about the running back position. He was asked if Miles Gaskin should be expected to step in and assume the same role he had previously before the injury when he comes back. Here's Coach talking about the ramp up and the buildup of coming off an injury and how it's not just as easy as coming off the injury reserve and stepping right into the lineup.
1: I think it would depend on, um, you know, what he shows in practice. You know, I practiced some last week. Uh, look, when you're out a few weeks, I mean, there's a conditioning element. There's a getting back to it element. There's a, a physical element. So, uh, you know, the idea a guy can just walk back in and is the same player he was, uh, you know, before the injury, it normally takes a little, uh, you know, a week, two weeks until you're back to uh, hopefully back to where, where he was. You know? So we take that into consideration. You know, I, you know, I hope a guy like miles, um, uh, you know, does or could, uh, you know, get right back to form quickly. Um, but I don't think there's any assumptions that it's, it, it'll be that way. You
2: know? So there you go. Good stuff from Coach Flores. Let's go ahead and spin this thing forward to our Week 13 preview. Dolphins hosting the Bengals back at home after a two-game road trip. Miami 7-4. and four. The Bengals are 2-8-1. and one. It's a 1 o'clock kickoff. Thank God. Love the 1 o'clock kickoffs. At Hard Rock Stadium, 72 degrees, partly cloudy, 60% humidity, 9 mile-per-hour winds. And that's 72 degrees. It's getting kind of chilly out here in South Florida this week, a little bit of a cold front coming through. But these two teams return to the scene of Of last December's epic overtime shootout, I was there in person for that game. Fun one to watch. As both these teams have kind of tried to build off of last year with Zach Taylor matching his win total from a year ago. Brian Flores surpassing it already. Coach obviously has his mind on the what's ahead. Talking earlier this week about how you can't get to where you want to go without handling what's right in front of you. I don't know, maybe some other people can. That hasn't been the case for me in my life. You don't just jump to graduations and things of that nature. They just don't happen. You have to deal with what's in front of you. That's just been my approach. And that's going to be the Dolphins' approach heading into this game against the Bengals. Look, this is a team that can, can offer some challenges with their skill players, with Jesse Bates, the safety on the back end, and a little bit of pass rush up front as well. So the Dolphins need to come in and play their best game to get a win and get to 8-4, and four. and some key ways to do that is keep forcing the quarterback issue or issues. Opposing quarterbacks have a passer rating of 84.3 against Miami this year. That's the third lowest in the NFL. And the Dolphins come in with the stingiest third down defense in all of the NFL at 32.8% and have the third most takeaways with 19. Gardner Minshew, Jimmy Garoppolo, Joe Flacco, Jared Goff, all four of those quarterbacks had one of their two worst passer rating games this season against the Dolphins. And it's been a total team effort. 12 Dolphins have at least a half a sack and five or more quarterback pressures. 11 members of the Miami defense have had their hand in on one of the 19 turnovers, whether it's an interception, a forced fumble, or a recovery. And second-year quarterback for the Bengals, Brandon Allen. Well, technically, he's not second-year quarterback. This is a second-year playing. He was drafted in 2016. He's up. He replaced the injured Joe Burrow in the loss last week to the Giants. The 2016 sixth round draft pick was 17 for 29 for 136 yards, a touchdown, and an interception. And previously in three starts with the Broncos, he completed 46.6% of his passes for 6.1 yards per attempt, three touchdowns, two interceptions, and a passer rating of 683 Last week, the Jets picked up 10 first downs against Miami. The Bengals had 11 first downs in their game against the Giants. If the Dolphins can do that again, keep those first downs low, keep the offense uh, off the field, they should be in good shape. Number two, finding footing in the ground game. And We talk about Miles Gaskin's potential return. We'll find out more this week. But he was put on injury reserve back in week eight. He was the leader of the team in the six and six of the first seven games in rushing yards. Since then, Savon Ahmed led the way three times, and last week it was DeAndre Washington who led the team with 49 rushing yards. Eric Stisville said we'll find out this week if Miles Gaskin will or will not be back, but he did say he's been working hard and he wants to get back out there in the worst way, being in every meeting, being a great guy to be around and just has that high energy. Last season, Gaskin had his first double-digit carry game of his career against the Bengals in that week 16 game he finished with his season high that year with 55 rushing yards and scored his first touchdown but whether it's Gaskin Ahmed Washington Matt Breida or Patrick Laird the Dolphins offense would just benefit from generating more balance heading into the stretch run Chan Gilly talks about it as an offense you just have to be good enough to counter what they do and be able to adjust to what they to take advantage of what they're doing I still keep trying to run the football because I think you need balance in there sometimes it's not as productive as it needs to be we have to find different ways to maybe get that done end quote there from the Dolphins offensive coordinator so finding some running lanes would be a big boost to the offense to the team in general I think that Chan Gailey and the offensive line have talked about it several weeks in a row now they want to emphasize it and getting more production in that area of the game would certainly go a long way towards a more balanced offense. Number three, just taming the Bengals' weapons. The Dolphins' DBs have been sterling all season long. If you take their top five defensive backs in terms of snaps played, Xavier Howard, Byron Jones, Nick Needham, Eric Rowe, and Bobby McCain, they have a collective passer rating against of just 71.2, and the Bengals come to town with a dangerous arsenal of weapons for the young quarterback. T. Higgins, rookie receiver, 48 catches, 637 yards, and 5 touchdowns. Tyler Boyd leads the team in catches with 72 and receiving yards with 725. Also has 3 touchdowns. Boyd does most of his work on the inside. Only Buffalo's Cole Beasley has more yards when aligned in the slot position. He's got 620, or Beasley has 631 to Boyd's 623. He's in the slot for 86.2% of his plays and 80 of his 92 targets have come from that inside position. It's a big test for Nick Needham who's played 349 of his 419 defensive snaps inside. All of that according to Pro Football Focus. So three kind of general areas the Dolphins can take advantage of and improve in this game against the Bengals. A couple more personnel notes here for the Bengals. Jonah Williams, a 2019 first-round draft pick. He's having a good second season. He missed all of his rookie year. He's allowed just 21 quarterback pressures on 406 pass-blocking snaps. That 5.1% pressure rate is far and away the lowest among all Bengals starters on the offensive line. Defensive end Carl Lawson on the other side of the football has d- doubled the quarterback pressures, 36 of the Bengals' next best pocket disruptor with Sam Hubbard at 18. And we talked about Jesse Bates off the top, one of the premier ball hawking safeties in the game. I talk about Brandon Jones' instincts and his quicks and the ability to get out of that backpedal and and trigger forward in in the way he plays the game. Bates is the same way. His instincts are on point. Three interceptions, 44.7 passer rating against both those lead the team, and his 90.9 PFF grade is tops among all safeties. In the NFL, Bengals offense ranks 26th in scoring, 26th in total, 29th in rushing and 18th in passing. And we all know about Zach Taylor making his return back to Miami for his second game here. He was a quarterback's coach and an assistant's quarterback's coach for four years in Miami. Went back to college before winding up with the Rams staff, and you see some of that blend into his offensive personnel. They call 11 personnel 76% of the time, with their second most frequent packaging coming via 12 personnel. That's 12.2% of the time. So you're going to get Higgins, A.J. Green, and Tyler Boyd on the field a lot with a little bit of Giovanni Bernard out of the backfield as well. And they'll mix in those two tight ends as well with C.J. Uzama and Drew Sample. Defensively, the Bengals rank 22nd in scoring, 26th in total defense, 30th in rushing defense, and 22nd in passing. They blitz 28% of the time. That's the 16th highest rate in the NFL, but they are 31st in pressure rate at 16.4%. And they mix that coverage up a lot. They run plenty of dime, nickel, and four defensive back packages. 13.6% of the time in dime. That's one of the top half dime defenses in all of the NFL. So check out the article, miamidolphins.com. We'll update you guys on injuries throughout the course of the week. Let's go ahead and finish up this podcast with some player audio, starting with quarterback Tua Tungavailoa. And let's go ahead and just start with a question for Tua about how you're feeling. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling good. Um,
0: you know, I, I think that's that's a question for, for Coach Flo and for our head trainer. Um, but... Yeah, you know, as a competitor, you always want to, you know, go out there and you, you want to be able to play, um, you know, but Flo and, and our our medical staff, I, I mean, I, I would say they're, they're, they have the best interest for us. And, you know, I, I would say they, they wouldn't put me out there if they felt like they'd be, or it'd be, you know, kind of harmful for myself. So, um, you know, just taking it one day at a time and trusting, trusting those guys.
2: And let's go ahead and finish up with your Dolphins quarterback here who was asked about some comparisons between what he experienced under Coach Saban and Coach Flores. I'm going to go ahead and jump to the part where he talks about Coach Flores and how he sets an example and preaches an example, but also walks it as well.
0: But I would say the way Flo gets his message out to us is, you know, he says it, but then you can also see it through his actions. Um, being out there in practice, just the passion that he has for coaching us. Um, and then also in our team meetings,
2: too. Up next, we had Jakeem Grant for his Wednesday press conference. And he was asked a question about Coach Flores talking about not getting tripped up along the way in your ultimate vision. And the way you do that is to keep a focus on what you're doing that particular day, the day-by-day focus and and not looking too far in the future. He was asked, Jakeem was, about some of those quotes and some of those those mottos and, and mantras that Coach Flores lives by, here's what Jakeem has to say about Coach Flores' mantras and how he applies it to his own career and his own life.
0: When like quotes like that is like he's saying, Don't be complacent, continue to grind, because once you think you got it, you don't got it, and that's where it comes and gets you. And so I think overall that that message and those quotes that he's saying is saying never be complacent and always keep your head down and keep
1: stay tunnel vision and continue to grind.
2: Let's go ahead and flip over to the defensive side of the ball and kind of get back on the theme of the earlier portion of the podcast when I talked about the Dolphins' defensive surge this season. Let's go ahead and hear from Dolphins safety Eric Rowe, who has spent the majority of his career playing under Josh Boyer. I wanted to ask Eric about what it is that makes Josh Boyer the guy that's been the one in charge, as Brian Flores says, with the calls and doing a great job this season, what is it about Josh Boyer that makes this this defense so successful and makes him unique as a defensive coordinator?
0: I mean, yeah, I've been with him for, yeah, I would say probably pretty much my career. <laughs> yeah, now I think about it. But, yeah, like a couple of things about him is, the you know, the attention to detail uh, is really the same as Flo. Like him and Flo are basically the same, you know, person. They have the same mindset. Uh, the, the energy they bring every day, the attention to detail within the defense of uh, any scheme, technique, fundamentals, all of that. So really, it's just the consistency of since, you know, it, it would have been the spring, but, you know, we just had training camp. But since training camp, just the details of, you know, everybody's fundamentals, you know, everybody, you know, whatever the scheme is, like the, the fine things and just kind of like consistently uh, executing it.
2: And e Rowe got a follow-up question about how Josh Boyer's demeanor and approach is on game day. Aggressive was the term he used.
0: Uh, aggressive. He definitely has an aggressive mindset, uh, which, I mean, I like it. I like being the aggressor instead of, you know, be, being passive, uh, kind of just, you know, playing back, you know, he, he wants to, you know, he wants to dictate what, you know, the offense does. So, you know, kind of have the defense kind of run the game. So, uh, with any team doesn't matter like that's usually the game plan be aggressive
2: let's go ahead and get one more here from Eric Rowe about slot cornerback and second year player and Nick Needham who has made a lot of progress in his two years with the Dolphins
0: uh, yeah he from you know from last year I never trained in camp uh, he was undrafted and you know he was he was out there making plays kind of consistently uh, against you know our offense Now you know that kind of kind of gets you on the radar. I'm like, you know, all right, who is this guy? You know, he's undrafted out of El Paso. Uh, Not going to lie, when he first came in, he was overweight. He was – he didn't move too well, but he kept making plays. And now, fast forward to now, you know, he can play inside, outside. Uh, He always has, like, the tough task of, you know, whether it's covering, like, Crowder in the slot. Uh, You know, I think this week Tyler Boyd's in the slot. He's a, you know, really good receiver. I mean, he's always up up to it, so – Uh, His development, he's a a key piece of the defense.
2: And so there you go. There's Eric Rowe, Jakeem Grant, Tua Tonga Viloa. We also had Jason Sanders with his press conference. I was busy doing other uh, stuff for the podcast tomorrow but you guys can check those out on miamidolphins.com as well as on the youtube channel for all your dolphins press conferences as for this edition of the drive time podcast that is going to be my time you all please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on apple Podcasts, spotify wherever you get your podcast from go ahead and leave us a rating leave us a review you can give me a follow on twitter it's at wingfield nfl follow the team at Miami Dolphins. Don't forget the Fish Tank and the Audible podcast. And of course, MiamiDolphins.com. Check out today's top news story. I think you all will like it. Until next time, fins up.